This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Take a man podcast from Odyssey Sports. I'm Craig Hoffman. Uh, you can catch the Hoffman Show three to six each and every weekday. Of course, Logan Paulson played 10 years in the NFL. You can catch him as well on the Commander's YouTube channel and Command Center. Sam Fortier uh, with us as well. WashingtonPost.com slash sports if you want to check out any of his work. All right, any other lingering Senior Bowl things? News, nuggets, prospects, anything else that, that is uh, hanging out there that we want to hit before we maybe get the latest on the, the OC situation? I just really wanted to quickly touch on guard. I know we talked a lot about tackle specifically, but there were three <clears throat> three guys on that, that guard that I think did an excellent job and deserve to be acknowledged. Because I do think that when you talk about, you know, at least – big picture what Washington looks for is they say left tackle, right guard, and center, right? So um, Sam did a good job of bringing up center, but we haven't really talked about guards. And I just think the the kid from TCU, Steve Avili, is a guy that comes out. Everyone's talking about him. He played guard. He played center. Big body, nice footwork. I think the guy that probably had the best week playing guard is Osiris Torrance. He's probably going to be a first-round guy, but you never know with guard, right? He's a, He's got a higher body weight. Sometimes those guys slip a little bit. Maybe he's available for you at 16. I, I think that's unlikely given his tape and given how he played this week. And then I think another guy that Sam brought up is um, the big redhead himself, Cody Monch from uh, <laughs> from uh, North Dakota State. And, you know, people said he struggled, but I liked what I saw from him at guard. I saw a guy who'd never played guard before in his life and, like, put his mouthpiece in and said, let's let's and go. And I like that competitiveness. I like his footwork. I like his aggressiveness. I like that he can play center. Like that position flexibility is something that those other two bigger body guys don't have. So if you're building this roster, I think 16 is probably a little rich for Osiris Torrance. But I saw someone say he's going to go top 19. So that would be kind of right in line with that 16 spot. You know, Steve Avili in the second round, maybe if you really feel like you need a right guard. And then Cody Monch, I think he's probably going to go in the second, but maybe third. Does he give you that kind of swing guard flexibility inside that this team seems to covet? I think it's important to kind of call all those guys out in terms of a team building philosophy. We know we focus a lot on tackle, but I think those guys are also very viable options. I got I got two nuggets on interior offensive linemen for Logan. Oh, One, the Michigan center who who has a wild name. It's a has, wild name. You're gonna say it? Try to say it. Ola Shuggin Uluwatimi. <laughs> That's how you say it. <laughs> Is that the nugget? Just you have the pronunciation. Well, that, that, that's what, dude. I have you seen the spelling, dude? I because I, no, I, I, I was on, I was on a show and I didn't. They were like Michigan Center is who that guy is. He's he had a good week, but yeah, but, but we didn't. No one talked about him because no one could say his name. <laughs> exactly. So I'm here to promote the the Ola Shuggin discourse. The second thing, uh, the second thing is Osiris Torrance, the Florida yep. guard that we just talked about. His nickname is Cybo. Because he watched Teen Titans and he was a big fan of Cyborg. I don't know if you guys were, were ever Dude, watching Teen Titans, but that's my age range. 
<laughs> That's a great nugget, though. <laughs> so those are two nuggets for you. The, the one thing that I have off Senior Bowl, which isn't necessarily directly reflective of Senior Bowl and probably isn't super surprising, but <clears throat> I think that uh, I think that this draft class for quarterbacks, particularly the Senior Bowl quarterbacks, mm. I mean, there, there wasn't a ton of talent. But if you're not talking Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, which I don't think they are, I don't think they're moving up. Like, I don't think they have those assets or be willing to part with those assets. I don't think you're going to see them pursue that second tier of guys, the Will Levis, the Anthony Richardson. I think possibly, I think as teams get more time around Richardson specifically because of how, you know, he's just going to, his test numbers are going to be crazy. Um, But right now I I really don't see them going after a a, a rookie quarterback. Um, And I think that's going to lead to Sam Howell, obviously. The only one that I would think is even, in conversation is the Stanford kid Tanner I think is his last name oh yeah he's kind of in that he's not in the second tier he's kind of the he's like in his own category because he's not he's way better than the TCU guy he's way better than the BYU guy but he's not quite a first round talent so if they got if they fell in love with him and I think that's a big if maybe the second round that's the type of guy like the Derek Carr of this year's draft a guy that is not gonna be a first round pick but maybe a second or third rounder that has traits in terms of arm talent intellect that you like that would be the only guy i'd have an eye on because i think it's just going to be way way too expensive to move up to get any of those other guys you've been talking about and i think um uh, richardson is is too far away from anything in terms of uh you know in terms of like um being ready to play i think he's probably a year and a half two years he's like the malik willis a, a much more talented malik willis this year let me just say that yeah, Tanner and, McKee, the the Stanford kid. You're yeah, Tanner about. McKee. Thank you. And uh, to segue, I don't know if I'm if I'm taking Craig's job here, but I think I'm, I'm just chilling. You're doing great, Dan. <laughs> Richardson, uh, like you like you said, I think he's very far away. But I could see maybe like if a new OC comes in and falls yeah. in love with the kid, and you know he would have to fall too because I don't think they're probably spending 16 on him. But no. but but you're right. Like uh, you know, it, it seems it seems unlikely at this point. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about how they navigate this process without an OC. Um, and by the way, some teams are doing this without a head coach. Um, there's still plenty yeah. of coach hires, um, but the scouts do their work, whatever. So we talked about that, but ultimately they do need to hire an OC. Uh, Ron spent part of last week in California with Anthony Lynn, uh, and Sam was on the radio actually with me last week. Uh, so you Ooh. can check out the Hoffman Show podcast talking a little bit about Anthony <laughs> Lynn, oh, who he plug. covered. <laughs> I'm just doing my job, Sam. See, it's more than just segues. It's more than just segues. Uh, but Sam, Sam covered uh, Lynn out in in L.A. Um, so you know we get, we got that information there. But do we have a timeline now at this point? Do we think like this will happen quickly after the Super Bowl? And you know, does the fact that they're waiting make you lean towards Bienemy, or is this still just a giant process? Because I guess they still have an interview Bienemy, right? Um, and at this point, they won't. So you know. Kind of what's the what's the latest? What's the timeline? And then you know, obviously they've got some moves they need to make here somewhat quickly. Like Carson's got to get cut here in the next couple of weeks. They got to make the other contract decisions on that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't think an OC's got OC is not going to come in and be like, actually, guys, I want to keep Carson Wentz. <laughs> it's like actually that's a disqualifying thing. You're not going to be our off- offensive coordinator, so see ya. Um, but but at what point do they get down to any kind of crunch time in terms of actually making this decision? The timeline, my sense is, is that it'll happen after the Super Bowl. They obviously want to interview enemy So once they make that decision, I imagine that Ron has, you know, the the one or two guys that if enemy flops, that they, you know, that they'll move on to. But 
I think that when you when you wait and, and the hiring cycles in general are, are taking a while. Obviously, like Indy's on its third right. you know round of head coaching interviews or whatever. Um, well, if they you know to, not only that, the, those interviews are apparently like twelve hours long. Could you imagine having to sit for thirty six hours with Jim Irsay and then potentially not getting the job? <laughs> oh that sounds awful. God, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine investing like that sort of time uh, in, into what ultimately could could be a bust. But uh, but I think that if you're OC search is going to take a long time and you're going to like draw it out. Having a, you know, one of the, a star candidate like the enemy uh, that, that really moves in the middle, I think like that totally absolves it. I know that I can't remember if I was talking to you, Craig, or somebody else, but people were like, should you be concerned that it is taking this long? And if you are trying to reel in a, a big fish, like I, I don't think so. Cause ultimately you need to put the, you know, you need to put your offense in the best position to, to be successful. And I could actually, hear an argument either way about hey should we keep the same offense that that Howell had so he you know he set up for success better in year two or or should we just take the brightest offensive mind um like I I could kind of be taught like I could hear that argument either way um sure. and so if, if you think the enemy is is the is the best fit then that's then then I'm fine with that and I mean this is just me not knowing that much about hiring co- coaches but I would say that is there a I mean, I don't think there's any incentive to be going fast because I don't feel like they're, in, they're right. any of the top offensive coordinator spots, uh, coordinator uh, um, clients or whatever the word is, are going to be like up for this position. So they could, it's all kind of the tier two guys and none of them are going to be like hired away. Right. Does that I mean, make how sense? many so, of the other candidates have we heard actually interviewing for other jobs? Like is Charles London in on a bunch of jobs? Is Studisville in on a bunch of jobs? Pat did Schirmer, you talk to him at the senior bowl, by the way? London uh I, I said hello briefly yeah, yeah I think I think he's I think he's uh <laughs> I think he is waiting to find out like everybody else oh I got you okay yeah so you know if, if you can afford like the the risk in waiting is your top guy says no like the enemy comes in interviews you love him but he also interviews somewhere else and goes there and then you're like oh crap our second third and fourth guy got taken somewhere else well when your second third and fourth guy aren't interviewing anywhere else uh or you're their top choice uh, because they can't go anywhere else and get this kind of receiver talent then you're fine so i i don't think that there is you know, and there's not like there's meetings that are, I mean, there are meetings that are happening in terms of putting together your free agent board and all that kind of stuff, but your, your OC can come in pretty quickly. You know, if this, if this gets to late February, then yeah, that's a problem because now your, your free agency board needs to be set um, pretty much going into the combine as you start to have discussions, preliminary discussions with agents and things like that and get a feel for that early March start uh, in terms of free agency. And you need to know what offensive scheme you're running and, and how guys are going to fit. There's no way, uh, knock on wood, there's no way that that's, this is stretching out that long. They just got to get through the, the Super Bowl because you know one of the guys that they want is, is obviously unavailable at the moment. Well, that's kind of an interesting thing too. It's like if they don't have an OC hired before free agency, it'll show you how impactful the OC's opinion or voice is in that process. And some teams, like, it's not very impactful, quite frankly. It's just like, this is who we're providing you, make it work. You know, and I think they're, they're, that's not an unusual thing. So maybe they don't, maybe that's not even a thing for them. Maybe they don't even care about having his opinion because they just want to find the best people. That, that went fit. so well last year on the quarterback thing. Well, I, you know, it's, <laughs> it is interesting. But I mean, I, I, hate, I hate the, revi- like, again, we've talked about this on the podcast, we've talked about this on the radio. I don't like the revisionist aspect. And I know, Craig, you felt very strongly that he wasn't the right fit here, but there were a lot of people that were very pro Carson's acquisition here and they thought it would be a good fit. So I think it's important, irrespective of what the coordinator said, because I've heard things about 
the coordinator's opinion that I don't think are um, that, that that necessarily support you want his, you want it, you want his involvement in this. But what I'm saying is like I think they do a fine job of evaluating talent at the front office here. I, I would I would uh, I would echo that, and I think that you, like it's sort of like go, kind of going back to the the draft thing. Like it's all about process and, and result. And, and and I don't think that process is definitely more important than result because result is pretty important too, but you got to evaluate like, who are we bringing in here? Like when I look at the offensive coordinators and you see everybody is 48 to 57 and they all like, you know, they all have like a ton of experiences as running backs, coaches, and, you know, except for, you know, probably Pat Shermer. But uh, what is, what is setting you like best up for success? And I think that you probably want to go away from the system you just had and make it more adaptable. Who is going to come in here and like retrofit their scheme to your talent? Because as we saw at the beginning of last year, like, you know, uh, Justin Jefferson, Devonte Adams, Tyree kill, all the dudes that got paid in the echelon of Terry were getting, you know, force fed targets and Terry was getting like six targets at the end of blowouts, you know? And so I think that like, who's going to come in here and maximize your talent right away. And, you know, I, I don't necessarily know who that is right now, but you got to be confident if you're in the interview room that you're getting that guy. Mm. Yeah, the guy who used to force feed Tyreek uh, footballs might be a <laughs> might be a good idea. I don't know. I'm just a guy who has a radio show and a podcast. Uh, all right. Anything else on anything else? Are we done for today? Yeah, have I mean, you guys uh, have you guys covered the the likeliness of of, of what it feels like uh, Deron Payne getting the franchise tag. Have you guys already covered that? No, we haven't talked about that. Um, really. I wouldn't say we've done like a likeliness. I mean, and also I feel like uh, Senior Bowl is, some, is, is a time, again, where information gets exchanged and those odds tend to change a little bit. So we can we can certainly do a little Deron Payne bonus here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think that's the way the situation looks like it's heading because uh, you're not probably going to pay him a long-term deal as we discussed like with, with John Allen. But... If you're Ron Rivera, this this to me sort of echoes, and I think they could approach the draft the same way they did last year, where you're looking at a lot of seniors, guys that have played a lot of football, had a lot of starts, because you need them to come in and contribute right away. If you're Rivera and you're four, potentially under a new owner, you, you need to perform. And so what is another way to do that? It's to keep around like your other game-wrecking defensive tackle at times. And so... Uh, you know, the tag this year is, is 18.9 million, which is a, a shade uh, right around, you know, obviously where John Allen's getting paid in, in terms of APY. Um, wouldn't wreck your, your deal if you if you want to work out a contract with Cam Curl. You could structure it in such a way that, you know, uh, that, that keeps them both around. So to me, if Ron Rivera is pushing all his chips in on this year, like that's the, the move that like it's the lever you have to pull because it's the best one that you have as a, as a personnel guy. So if we had to rank these, uh, not likelihood, if we go back to like efficacy here, right? What's the what's the actual best thing for the football team? They can tag and keep, tag and trade, signed a long term, or tag and sign, you know, long term. So like or let walk, one one year, or they could, but like I don't think that's on the table. That's obviously yeah. the worst case scenario. Hey, lose the really good player for nothing. Great job, guys. Uh, we don't have to we don't have to rank that one. That's the. I mean, bottom. they've done that before, though. Yeah, well, there's that. Um, so if we go tag and just let him play out the tag, which then you, you have that potentially next year where he walks for nothing, um, tag and trade or tag and ultimately sign to a long term. Like, what do we think is the actual best outcome here and how far down is like the tag and keep him on a one year thing? If you do indeed think that's third. Well, I think tag and trade is certainly like, 
like could be like I could hear the argument for that being the best move for the football team because you know obviously you're recouping assets you're you're getting it in the in the longer term but my question is is Ron Rivera thinking about is he prioritizing the health of this team in mm. 2024 and 2025 because he's not incentivized to do that like whoever right. this new owner is and, and, and you know we're going to operate under that assumption in, until we hear otherwise is going to come in here and say okay like his first year on the job is he seeing Ron Rivera win games is he seeing them he, him put them in the playoffs? And while it's great that like you know maybe ultimately in, in the hypothetical trading Duran for a, a second round pick or whatever it is would be the right move, but Duran Payne on the field is going to help you win more games than than the draft pick will. Yeah, I mean, I think if you just kind of take a step back and you say like, what is what is the what is the absolute best thing regardless of circumstance? It's tag and trade, in my opinion, because you're not going to be able to get him to a long term extension, him, Montez, or Chase Young, right? And you drafted Fidarian Mathis in the, in the second round last year. John Ridgeway's come up, and I think have shown you that you can be serviceable without <clears throat> without that elite player at the position, and then in terms of building the roster out, I just think there's so much value there, right? You get younger, you get more people, you get more bites at the apple essentially. So to me, I think that is the number one way to go about it. But I do agree with Sam. I don't think that there's a huge incentive for Ron to be like, what's the best thing for the commanders? It's like, what's the best thing right this second? Cause if we don't win a ton of games, like I'm going to be looking for a job and that is a scary proposition. So I think he's going to try and put himself in the best position to win as many games as he possibly can. Because the other thing that I think is important about the Duran Payne thing <clears throat> is there's a reason that he holds the franchise record for sacks. It's not a very likely outcome moving forward in terms of him getting a ton of sacks. His value will never be higher than this, in my opinion. So you got to capitalize on that. That is something that this franchise has been really bad at in the past. You know, you talk about like whether it's Kirk is probably the most obvious example, but letting guys walk when there is value there. Um, and could you tag and, and let him walk next year and say, hey, at least we got one more year and just kind of hope you got his best years because football is a hard game and guys can deteriorate quickly? Uh, I, sure, I guess that's possible. And then you wind up not overpaying. Um, that That's certainly possible but i also think because you made the carson deal last year like recouping draft capital is something they need it's something that uh, i've almost asked you guys about seven times in this podcast but like how likely is it they make a trade because they don't have their third round pick and so mm. that that is something to consider is like okay if they could get a second and a third back for duran like do you do that and and do you hope if you're rivera that you can draft well you, that mathis comes back that ridgeway is what you you know what he looked like this year obviously grown into year two i think there there is an argument to be made and i don't i don't know like is ron probably operating under the premise that this year i have to win as many games as possible to keep my job yeah and by the way if there was no ownership change going into a lame duck year in year five he'd probably be operating that anyway there's also a piece of ron that is like an eternal optimist and sometimes blind to the, to the this situation around him and i could see him going like hey i am like, I'm good. We're building. I'm on my little five-year plan. And so I'm going to keep building this because I think that I will be around for the long term because we're going to be we're going to be good. I believe in our football team. So I don't I, mean, I don't know. Like Ron obviously presents publicly well that he, it's always the way he thinks uh, privately. I'm sure he's like, yeah, I kind of like the money I'm making and would like to not have to look for a job. And I don't know how many more jobs I'm going to get like that. Let's be realistic about that, too. Right. You know, we kind of talked about it with Carson on the trade last year. Like, is this Carson Wentz's last chance? This is Ron Rivera's last chance. There's no way he's getting another head coaching job after this. Certainly not one with the power and the contract that he has now. So I, I do wonder if 
like how much that weighs in and if they get a really, really good offer. Um, and it also depends on when the time comes in because they could tag him and the offer could come in April and the new owner's in place and the new owner's like, yeah. Uh, or maybe he's even hired a new like executive vice president of football mm. operations. And that, that person's like, yeah, we're making that deal. Like, I don't care what you want, Ron. Like, that's this is this would be stupid to turn down. So there's a timeline element, too, to the new ownership that, that could obviously affect this contract moving forward. Um, what they are willing to give Payne, uh, what they are willing to trade, all those kinds of things. All right, that's it, it's, I uh, guess. <laughs> it's, it's so nice to be on a real podcast instead of that John Kyber report, man. <laughs> Just had to get that in there. <laughs> dig it, dig it all the time. I knew I should have just made my point and then ended the show without anybody <laughs> getting a chance to say anything. I left space and look what Sam did with it. All right, uh, that's Sam Fortier of the Washington Post. You can read his work at WashingtonPost.com slash sports. Uh, and we will be back on Thursday with the latest on the OC search if there's any new news and uh, more draft stuff because that's kind of our lives between now and April. Uh, for Sam and Logan, I'm Craig, and we'll see you next time on Take Care.